0: If you want to pump your body and expand your mind, there's only one place to go. Mind Pump. Mind Pump. With your hosts, Sal Stefano, Adam Schaefer, and Justin Andrews. In this extra special episode of Mind Pump, look, for the first 40 minutes, uh, we don't talk a whole lot about fitness, but we do have a lot of fun doing our introductory conversation. We start out by talking about how to determine how much life insurance Adam may need Now that he's having a baby Uh coming on board here. Um, Now, Health IQ provides life insurance for fit and healthy people, and they are one of our sponsors. So here's what you do. Go to healthiq.com forward slash mind pump and take their health quiz and get a free quote. See what you qualify for. Then we talked about how the hemp oil market works, how a lot of them are bunk, and why you want your hemp oil company to provide you with Real third-party lab analysis, like Ned. Ned is the company that we work with, and they make, in our opinion, the best full-spectrum hemp oil you can find on the market. Uh, we also got you a discount if you go to hello ned h e l l o n e d dot com forward slash mind pump. You'll get fifteen percent off your first purchase.
1: Don't go bunk, yo.
0: Then we talked about uh, Adam and I's talk at Red Dot Fitness. Great personal training gym, actually one of our favorite personal training gyms here in the Bay Area. And we talked to a lot of trainers there about building a social media business. Um, Adam brought up uh, a Forbes article that talked about the most influential person on Twitter. You'll never guess who it was. We were all kind of shocked. Justin talked about coaching his son's little league team. He thinks they're going to go undefeated all season long. (laughs) Uh, I don't know about that. (laughs) Then we talked about how parents... (laughs) Uh, intervene a little too much when their kids have trouble. And we told some personal yeah, stories there. Yeah. Calm down. I brought up the study on single men and how they smell. Believe it or not, women can tell if men are single or taken just based off of their smell. Yeah. Yeah.
1: They can smell the sadness. They
0: yeah, have like, oh, <laughs> that's. <it." laughs> and then Adam talked about Katrina's uh, pregnant heightened sense of smell. Then we get into the fitness questions. The first question was, why are calves so difficult to grow? I feel like that question was directed to uh, Adam and uh, and I, Mm. uh, because we have our own uh, personal relationship with calf training. Justin has the beautiful calves.
1: See, I like yours better. Uh, Adam said I had cankles.
0: (laughs) But they're big. (laughs) The second question was, uh, you know, we talk about central nervous system um, versus muscles. How does training your central nervous system differ from training your muscles, The third question, uh, what are the pros and cons of adding in calories to speed up your metabolism and doing so low-carb fashion or doing so with carbs? Is there a better option? Which one do we like better? Um, And the final question, somebody at this person's gym told him that a squat is not functional. So we kind of explain why this person's an idiot and why we are right. The squat is extremely functional. Listen to us. Also, this month, uh, MAPS Performance, now this is our program that we designed for people who want to move and look like a well-rounded athlete, so somebody who's well-developed from head to toe, one muscle isn't overpowering another, they have good developed core muscles, excellent performance, power, strength, speed, and even endurance. That's what this program is designed around the whole program is designed that way. Um, it's 50% off. Here's what you do. Go to mapsfitnessproducts.com. Use the code GREEN50, G-R-E-N-5-0. That's what's going to give you 50% off. It's getting revamped. So if you have the program now or if you enroll with the 50% off, look out. you will get updated automatically. We do that with all of our programs, by the way. Anytime we update them, make them look better, you get updated for free, so long you got, as you've uh, that you've had access it in the past. It just keeps getting better. Yeah, so. it's free. Um, also, we have other MAPS programs for different goals and different uh, people and experiences. All of those can be found at mapsfitnessproducts.com. T-shirt time! And it's T-shirt time. Oh, shit. We know it's my favorite time of the week.
1: <laughs>
2: oh, snap! All right, we had about 30 reviews this past week between iTunes and Facebook. And the winners for iTunes are Carly Mac, Prime Rib Pro, (laughs) Southern Farm 14, and Alaskan Alex. For Facebook, we have Abraham Maximo Chavez, Connor Jane J. Kunzler, and Michaela Marie. All of you are winners. Send a name I just read to iTunes at mindpumpmedia.com. Send your shirt size, your shipping address, as well as your Instagram handle. And we'll get that shirt right out to you, Doug. I have a, a serious question
3: to ask you.
0: Yeah, look at his rash and make sure, because I already told him he needs to go to the doctor for it. <laughs> yeah, it's That's not. Of, it's a lot of bumps. That is
3: not what I need you to look at, Doug. What, I don't know uh, what that means? Last week we did. Uh, we talked about health IQ, and you know, and, and I announced uh, that Maximus is coming, and you know that Maximus. now I seriously would be looking into doing the health IQ, and so. Um, I joked around about not wanting to leave Katrina so much money that she'd be motivated to kill me. So <laughs> she
0: starts just making you like pancakes and waffles. <laughs> right, right. Here's so your
3: specialty. I was, I was half <laughs> joking, but there is some serious. Like, how do I do? How do I determine how much money I should legitimately leave her and my child if that were ever? Heaven forbid that happens. But you know, do how do people recommend that? Like,
2: right. So first off, I would suggest that. You'd have to have an awful lot of money and have to do some nasty things for somebody to want you to get knocked off, right? Yeah. So I, Well, I yeah. plan to have a lot of yeah. money. Yeah. It would, well, there you go. Yeah. But what I'm saying I is would, No, uh, what I'm saying is a very large life insurance policy.
0: Okay. So I, I would you know, do it for 150000 dollars but nothing less than that. <laughs> wow. get, get her through a year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 140, I don't think so. So the way you determine
2: it is you gotta think about what would happen if you were to pass away. Okay. What would happen to Katrina? What would happen to your child? Right. And what would they lose first? From a, from a, a financial it. standpoint. From so a we, financial standpoint. So you standpoint. would take
3: okay, my salary or what I make a year is X amount, and then from there I would go what multiply that by eighteen years or what? I mean, what 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 are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I would say that would be a reasonable thing to do. Okay.
0: So, so the way I would look at it is, you don't want your family to suffer a major. Um, a major change of lifestyle right so
3: that's why I did the that, that's why I'm thinking okay
0: because it so it depends right how much you're what their lifestyle is to begin with you see what I'm saying well no their lifestyle is what we have right now right, right. so right I mean, exactly right it allows
3: Katrina and I to live the lifestyle we are now I know what that dollar amount is I know how much she makes I know how much I make I know how much of that I'm actually contributing to making sure of that so I guess then it
2: would the the logical thing would be to X that by 18, because the kid will be- Well, you also have to think about the future here, too. So now, let's say you get yourself a nice house, you got a large mortgage, uh, all of a sudden you're not around, that income is gone, how's that mortgage going to be covered?
0: You, know, you have to sell the right.
2: house, what's going to to happen? But you could
0: also consider, uh, would this money give them uh, the ability to pay off some debt? Would it give them the ability to- invest to set themselves up so well so
3: can... yeah, you're you're thinking the way that i want to be careful of that like i'm not trying to make her come out bro she's not trying i'm not trying to make her rich off of me dying. <laughs> <laughs> like you're like let's factor in so she can invest like a good quarter million in <laughs> stocks and then she goes, whoa dude like that then she's like well let's see here i could be a fucking multi-millionaire yeah. if adam passes yeah, right now no, i don't
0: know about that no you're good but yeah. it, it's it is interesting because i remember when i got mine with doug years ago i had to think about like and the way I thought about it was, okay, what's the minimum to, uh, to, to cover the emergency period? Because it's a, I mean, the reality is like if something happened to you, your family would be devastated and it probably would take at least a couple years for people just to recover from that blow of devastation. And so you would at least at the very minimum, in my opinion, would want to be to cover the cost and if this person wants to grieve, for a year or two, are they able to do so? That's that's my that was my thinking. You know what I'm saying?
2: Yeah, the v- bare minimum you want to avoid financial stress. Well, they get the payout all at once, isn't that how it
3: works? Or do I have that option too? You have an
2: option how oh, it gets okay. distributed.
3: Yeah. Oh, see, I like that because mm-hmm. I would like to. You know, you I, I wouldn't mind setting her up with a trickle fifty million, hundred million dollar contract if she has to like.
2: Well, fifty tri- to hundred million dollars. So you have though. to actually qualify for that. Okay, so how does that work? You know, the insurance company is going to look at what your financial situation is right now right and that's how they're going to determine whether you qualify for a certain amount oh, of money or not so,
0: probably because if you're some dude that's making 50 grand a year and you all of a sudden want to apply for 100 million dollars they're right. like what's going to no, they're going to definitely say no to <laughs> yeah, yeah what's going to happen of course because
3: <laughs> he can't even make that over 10 years but if it's the amount of money that i can make in 10 years i would think that i would qualify for that
2: right yeah 10 million, million dollar policy counts. is a very very large policy for 10 million people. would be considered that yes okay uh-huh so to qualify for that, you'd have to be making a pretty good half million to a million dollars a year, I okay. would guess, mm. in order to qualify for
0: that type of thing. Uh, What's the most common cost? amount people get, half a million or oh, a million? Probably a million, then, I would assume.
2: Uh, Yeah, I, don't, I really don't know, as far as term insurance, what the average would be, because it's such a wide range of people. So somebody making fifty seventy five thousand $75,000 a year, they're probably looking at a quarter million dollar policy, somebody making a quarter million dollars a year. A bare minimum a million, two million, even three million dollar policy. You know, it really depends on your income. Okay? Interesting. The point is you being one of the major breadwinners of the family, if you're gone, uh, that's a huge so cost it, to your family.
3: It sounds like it would be a really smart strategy if you're an entrepreneur to like also time this after a, a good year that you just had, right? Like it, Oh, absolutely. Like that would be a smart strategy. If you're
2: going for a very large policy, right, like then
3: like let's say if I I would have been fucked actually if I tried to do this when Mind Pump first started the first year like where we make hardly no money right you'd right? be
2: hard pressed to get I don't know what you made but say you're making fifty seventy five thousand dollars a year you'd be very hard pressed to you know get much over a million dollar policy
0: okay. I would think
3: so that's that's good to know also like if you're somebody who's already considered doing this no this yeah. is
0: good information because I think people think uh, oh half a million dollars that's a lot of money or two hundred fifty thousand dollars that's a lot of money and then no. you. You figure it out, and you're like, well, actually, right. that'll help your family only for this amount. Or or maybe that's what you want to do. You just want to cover the emergency stuff. Right, right. You know, because you don't want to have to pay well, out. Well, I
3: mean, I, I apologize. I know it sounds like a really long drug out commercial for the listeners and stuff like that. But I, I really am curious and interested in this because this is something that I will yeah. be doing. And I, I don't know what is the right strategy yeah. as far as how much. and Crazy. Well, so,
0: so, so uh, just changing subjects here. So I'm getting messages left and right. And we called this out uh, a while ago, you know, when... CBD started to come out into the news and it's funny we had this exact com- uh, conversation at your house Adam when we first met to discuss starting mind pump and we talked mm-hmm. about at the you know when we were it was a 4 hour conversation but one of the topics was emerging uh, aspects of the market what we thought was going to get huge and one of the things that we talked about was how we thought CBD at some point would make it into the fitness space, and then they were going to throw it on everything and tell you it was a miracle cure. And you know, there's definitely benefits to it, but it's no, it's not a miracle cure. And of course, they're going to throw it on fat burners and stimulant supplements and pre workouts and all that stuff. So I'm getting all these people who are sending me these hemp oil uh, based kind of supplements and products that are promising. Fat loss and muscle gain and balancing mm. out your hormones. So silly. And now here's the problem with all of that is in my, my part of my problem is the crazy claims. Uh, CBD does have some pretty remarkable effects in the body, but there is no such thing as a miracle cure. But here's the part that really irritates me: is that they've there have been several independent studies done now on some of these hemp oil products, and they find very very little and sometimes no cannabinoids in these uh, in these products so either the oil isn't real because there's nothing nobody really regulating this this market no. it's just all market regulated so what people are doing is they're jumping into the uh, into the, the bandwagon because they see that everybody's like oh shit i want you know cannabinoids hemp is legal so everybody's mm-hmm. like let's do hemp a lot of people are providing hemp oil it's not even hemp oil yeah or if they do when you ask for a lab analysis you don't get one so people are like i don't notice any results or i don't feel anything or i'm not it's it's bunk and it's like well your hemp oil may be just fucking oil or it may may have no active now, now does, cannabinoids does
3: does ned actually provide an analysis
0: ned has uh, they provide independent laboratory analysis of their batches and you can see clearly the concentration of cbd cbc uh, cbg the you know even the 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 trace amounts of THC, CBDV. I mean, you can see, and of course, they get tested for pesticides and all that other stuff, and you want that when you're taking a, a, a hemp oil product because hemp oil by itself does have some nice fatty acid profiles and stuff like that, but when you're taking a dropper full of hemp oil, you're not deriving benefit from the little bit of healthy fatty acids. What you want are the cannabinoids, the, the active cons- constituents that Act on your cannabinoid, uh, you know, system in your body, and you want to be able to see like, does this is this really concentrated? Does it have efficacious doses of what I'm looking for? And, and that's Ned, the, Ned does that their the,
1: tested scores are available on their website right you can click and actually like look at like some of the results that they've gotten you can that. go
0: on there and you can ask them to send it to you they also give you terpene profiles so I don't know of any hemp uh, hemp oil company that even provides and terpenes are what give cannabis and hemp uh, and other plants um, their smell so like one mm-hmm. terpene uh, I think it's called limonel for example is a is a, is a terpene that gives lemon and lime it's 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 scent but terpenes don't just provide a scent they also have effects on the body and they think that terpenes are one of the main reasons why certain strains affect people certain ways it's not just the cannabinoids but it's mm-hmm. also the terpenes and so they're actually providing these lab analysis of all these different things and this is why when people do he- the the you know take our advice and use ned they're like oh i feel now i feel it yeah. you know i
3: have you guys seen how many of these fitness influencers are now repping brands? I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. Oh yeah, I, I think I've seen at least 20, 30 different brands that are out there. I, you mean, uh, I know uh, it's
0: just the new. It's the new fad. Oh, it's well,
1: yeah, and it's interesting too. I just saw the FDA is really starting to get involved and in cracking down on a lot of like false claims because uh, like lots of new tropics and people are like going beyond uh, what they're really providing. They're trying to say that they're they're. Basically, the answer and the cure for a lot of these like diseases and things, and they're going like way outside of what they're actually supposed to be I mean, talking about. We talked
3: about it long before we were even sponsored by Ned. And here's the thing like, w- there was a high demand of people that were asking questions around it. And I remember us having this conversation it's like, listen, if we're gonna work with a company, one, we're gonna make sure we're gonna vet at the shit out of them, which we did forever by yeah. the time we finally actually. Mm -hmm. brought them on as a sponsor. And it's like we have it there for those that are in need of it and that want it. There you go, there's that good company. But by no means have you ever heard any of us talking about like it being like, oh, you gotta have this or this is the
1: magic sauce. Yeah, dude, it's just
3: like when there's so many other big rocks that you should be taking care of, like you taking some hemp oil at the end of the night, like that's not fucking that's not making a world of a difference. For no, you.
0: and a good example of that is uh, cannabinoids, in particular uh, cannabidiol, which is CBD, um, has anxiolytic properties in a lot of people. So anxiolytic are the anti-anxiety, mm-hmm. kind of feel calm and relaxed. It's not a sedative, although at it, it, it high doses, higher than you'll, than you'll get uh, with hemp oil, except maybe if you drink the bottle. Um, some people can get a sedative effect, but it's it's got anxiolytic effects. So if you're somebody who has high anxiety, but you're eating shitty, you're not getting good sleep, and you're going through a divorce, uh, is it going to solve your anxiety issues? It might take the edge off a little bit, but you got big things you want to take. So care this of. is
3: this is okay. There's like two ways I like to. I use it a, uh, not a lot, but when I do use it, so I just use it the other day. I showed it on my story uh, that I was using. And that's whenever you see something pop in my story, that's about the cadence I use. Shit. So if you don't see me fucking posting something every single day, I don't use those things every single day. But we had that talk over at um, Red Dot. Red Dot. That was fun, by the way. And I took two little droppers of that. Why? Because, you know, I get hyped up a little bit before a talk like that, and I want to come in as calm and as, as relaxed as I can. And it does. It just kind of barely takes the edge off. I don't feel high because you don't have anything like that from it, but it- Definitely, kind of settles me down a yeah. little bit.
0: And I, I, I use it for for me. I've used, I've always used CBD. This is not even before um, we we worked with with Ned. Right, I, we I would to, have we, to find we used to do it all the time. Used yeah. to
3: used to bring it. Like we used to yeah. talk about how Sal would bring his little. You know, we have our charcoal that you would bring, uh, we'd have our CBD, you yep. would hand each one of you us our little- CBD,
1: theanine, and then I would drink coffee with mm-hmm. it. All oh, It was an amazing combo.
0: Yeah, so I, I used uh, CBD initially, I would use high CBD cannabis. So this was before you could find good quality um, hemp oil extracts that had a, at least an, a, an efficacious dose of CBD. Back then, it, it, it was impossible to find, and if you found it, you'd have to take an insane amount because it was just so diluted. So I would go the cannabis route and I had a medical marijuana card. This is before it became legalized in California. And I would use, uh, strains of cannabis that were very, very high in CBD and had very little to no THC. And one such strain, uh, there were two that was canatonic and Harlequin. And every once in a while I could find it where it would be like one or 2% THC and you know, 15% CBD. So it's like, Barely any THC, mostly CBD, and the reason why I used those back in those days was this is when I was dealing with a lot of autoimmune issues and mine expressed themselves through my gut, so I'd get gut issues. And what I found was the regular use of cannabinoids through those means would really help uh, with the symptoms. and And I, I've gone into the sciences why you know the the, the cannabinoid system is a. It helps modulate your immune system. So if your immune system is overactive, it tends to bring it down. If it's underactive, it tends to bring it up. It's kind of like a, it's kind of like a light dimmer switch. So like if your light is too bright, the dimmer will go down a little bit. If your light is too dark, it brings it up a little bit. And that's how cannabinoids seem to work in the body. Um, and I stayed away from THC because I wasn't trying to get high. Um, and that's how I always used it. So, uh, you know, there's there's different ways to use these things, but well, you, by no means is it a the other way miracle I use, cure. The
3: other way I use it is if, if I smoke like a high THC strain. I'll throw some on it. I'll throw yeah, some in yeah. and that. And that's something that you kind of gave to me was trying to stick to the
1: one-to-one ratio Helps and- mitigate like sort of the, the paranoia and those types of effects.
0: Yeah, it's the paranoia. And then there was one study that I read that showed that when people used uh, THC with CBD, they reduced the short-term memory loss effects that you get from THC. Hmm. Um, by the way, you know what else does that? You want to hear something weird? They've done studies with cannabis and, and uh, ibuprofen. So when people use high doses of cannabis, they hmm. get this short-term memory kind of loss we all know that, right? Where you start to forget things. Does you're that too mean much it's inflammation-based? Uh, it may be. It may be, but they're not quite sure. sure. So I need to look up more studies on this because, I, I, I mean, uh, taking a worse drug to <laughs> mitigate the one that right. you I don't know if that's always a good idea, but I thought that was kind of That's uh, interesting, though.
1: Dude, tell me about your guys' talk at Red Dot. I... Obviously, they had you guys in there, and I, I saw something about like it was a uh, it was for online business for personal trainers, or was that the main gist of the talk?
3: Yeah, yeah. it was rad. Yeah, no, it was. So they didn't um, they didn't promote it, right? So there was we didn't talk about it, they didn't talk about it. Scott and CC, the owners of Red Dot, wanted to make it like a private thing that um, they did like an invite only, and I didn't know this. Like Scott and I had talked months ago originally. Um, I was going to do the talk, and I was then planning on going to Tahoe with Katrina that weekend. I asked Sal if he could cover and do the talk. He said, yeah, I got it, and then Tahoe gets snowed in and we couldn't even go up there, and so I stayed in. I said, hey, I, you know, I'll come down and do it with you if you want. And he's like, yeah, no, it'd be great. So we both went down there, and at that point, I didn't realize that he wasn't announcing it. I didn't realize that they weren't promoting it, and so I was a little concerned that there wouldn't be – that many people they had a great showing i think there was 35 like 30 to 40 people yeah 30 to 40 people oh, that's and, cool and all, all trainers yeah all either trainers doctors Kairos, uh you know entrepreneurs everybody was mm-hmm. so that was cool so and when we first started the talk i always ask you know how many people have heard of mind pump or know about know uh-huh. about us and there was actually a good half of the room um uh, weren't already listeners of the show or knew anything about us so that was nice we got a chance to uh, introduce ourselves to some other practitioners that are in our in our space in our in our town, um, and also I like Scott and Cece a lot. So I imagine mm. most of the people they invited were Saul people, and that's what I found out afterwards when mm-hmm. I had a chance to kind of talk and to mm-hmm. everybody. So it was really yeah, good.
0: We basically talked about how to build uh, the online your online presence, your social authority through you know new media, social media, YouTube, podcasts, you know that kind of stuff. And how that you can use that to augment uh, or or supplement your your current business. Um, so it wasn't necessarily about just building an online business, but we do, we talked about that. Mm. It was more about like how do you Specific use strategies, yeah, like how do you use new media to <coughs> improve your personal training business? Because number you know number one, it's a ne- it's going to be a necessity soon. You're not going to be able to get away with not doing anything uh, online. But number two, if you do it right, it could really build a lot of authority and, and help you build your business and the the main message is the one that we talk about on the show which is the big place I think people make a mistake and get uh, confused with social media and new media when trying to, to you know augment their business is that they think that the the strategy is just to get a million followers right right which is as popular as possible yeah which which first of all uh, it's extremely rare that you'll be able to do that very 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 few people can get a million followers um, but most people can get thousands, and if you do a good job, you build a lot of value with those thousands by doing a really fucking great job, and then you've got now a, a good solid business, and that's really the strategy that we kind of talked about. So
3: somebody tagged us on the uh, in the forum. What Andy Vercella you know, did, just did a, a um, podcast on this topic, which I found really ironic because he built his business off of. Um, you know, hiring or employing or creating affiliates with all these Instagram models and people that just had a lot of attention on them, and so it was funny to hear him speak on this point because I think it's counter to how he started, but we've been saying this since fucking day one that you know just because you only have a thousand five thousand followers does not mean you can't build a huge business, and if you most certainly have ten thousand plus, you can build a multi million dollar company line. And the and the key is to engage and add value to those stop
0: trying to sell them all the time be yeah. build real value and, and quit
3: chasing likes likes right. and comments like it's not about like how many uh kissy faces and i you know heart emojis that i can get and likes that i can get it's about how many people are talking about the content that you're providing or the things that you are potentially selling so if you're somebody who is trying to monetize your training service and you're taking ass shots and you're getting tons of follows and you're tons of likes on that. Like that doesn't translate into your mm-hmm. your your yeah. business at all. And so you're better off having five people like and comment on your post that you're adding, providing value. But that's they really,
0: really find you right, value. Then
3: you are having a hundred people comment and like your, your photo just because it, it you look sexy in the picture or whatever like that. Yeah. And that's... Just the message that I think. How
0: funny is it? How skewed uh, new media has m- made our perceptions. Like, if you if you just went back twenty or thirty years, and you had a brick and mortar business, and I could and I could present to you five thousand potential customers who really wanted to hear what you had to say and oh, found a lot be of value. So pumped. You'd be fucking Are you kidding me? You'd yeah. be like, I could turn that into the real customers? Yeah. I could turn that into five hundred to two thousand actual customers and now do the math of what that looks like for your for your local business. People would have killed for that. Yeah. It's really no so different.
3: I got I got a random stat for you guys that I read after this that I thought was really fascinating. So 2018, Twitter uh, voted the number one most influential person who it was. Okay, Taylor Swift. Oh wow. Okay. You want to really? know what's you want to know what's crazy about this? 14 tweets in the entire year.
1: Wow. Shut up. Right. That's crazy, right? Like, did she delete
3: a bunch of tweets? <clears throat> no, or, no, no, no. That's just
0: that it. That, that, what it is is just the- Now, sh- how do they determine what they mean I'm by sure, that? I'm most sure- Most shared I'm sure that's, Yeah, yeah. Like, it,
3: like the article didn't go into the algorithm of what made them decide that she's the most influential. Hmm. Um, but I'm assuming that that means the ratio of how many times she tweeted, what it probably got shared, commented, and 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 movement on it. And that it, it speaks to that. It's not about- It's not this- how much shit you put out there all the time, just driving more comments, driving more people, looking at more eyes on it. If there's not value, you don't have necessarily real influence. Mm-hmm. Nobody's going and doing anything about it. Yeah. Yeah. So f- focusing on your content more so it's adding value and that people will actually share it, use it. I mean, that's the stuff that matters more than this. Well, she's, oh, just a, views.
0: she's a phenom. I mean, Taylor Swift is going to be remembered as one of the greatest, art- in, my, in my opinion, greatest artist of all time. Just the music that she's written herself and performed for how long? How many it's how many hits has she had?
1: Respectable that she's written it herself. For yeah. Sure. How many
0: hits has she had now? I don't know. I don't follow it, her. It, it's been ton. yeah. It's been an insane amount. Obviously I, I want I want to hear Justin. You were about to bring up before we started the podcast, and I stopped you because I wanted to hear about this on the podcast. Oh uh, yeah. You are coaching little league now. I am. Yeah. <laughs> okay, <laughs> this.
1: Dude, I have no time for it, but I was like, I'm always going to say that you know, like it's one of those things I was weighing out. I'm like, I don't have any time in excess for this, but, um, it's finally at a point where my oldest, he's on a team now where I know the head coach, like he's a friend of mine from high school. Like I've, I've known of him. Uh, and so I was like, Oh, this will be cool. At least I like now I can help him out. And so I'm going to be acting as like assistant coach to him and um, I told him, you know, like some weekends, we, I may be traveling, whatever. Like that's why I can't be a head coach. But if you can use me in any way possible, like I'll be there. So yeah, so I've I've already started. Like we've had like three practices so far. We don't have a real field yet. It's been like this super rainy. No, this is uh, little
0: league. Little oh baseball, baseball. So what do you what are you in charge of? Like putting together the, the warm-ups and the drills and the
1: yeah. So I'm I'm kind of letting him well. I am 100 percent letting him like kind of uh, dictate like how all the structure of it goes. Uh, I'm just I'm just leading a bunch of the drills in in the different sections of it, and so we're trying to like hone in on the skill because they're at a point where it's going to get real competitive next year. So they need to like really foster and develop these skills so uh, they can hang with with the next level, dude. And it's it's it's
0: challenging as fuck. Does he know what a badass you are? when no, it comes to training? No, 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 no. I, I it, it kind of like it, I played cuz cuz that's like that's a fucking treat, dude. Like do the parents even know that you're you're the one helping with right. the drills and shit? No, no,
1: no. I'm I'm totally underplaying it. Trust me. Like I'm just trying to like uh, sharpen, you know, like each one of the little drills that we're doing and stuff and like really try and like okay. add my own flavor to it cuz it it's kind of interesting because we also have a a guy that's helping out coach who Coached like girls softball for like over a decade, you know. And like, I he was one of my teachers. He was like the wood shop, metal shop teacher, and like a friend of mine kind of. And like, so it's nice having him too to kind of defer, especially he's really good at like the hitting drills and stuff. So yeah, I'm geeking out on it so far. It's been, it's been pretty fun. The kids are. Definitely, uh, like all over the place. Like I
3: would. Im- How do you control them, dude? How do I would, you control them? I would imagine Brutal. the the
1: learning curve is very
3: similar to the one that we had with clients of. When you first start, you probably initially have all these ideas of, oh, I'm going to teach them this, and I'm going to teach them that, and I'm going to show them this, yep. and they need to learn this, and this is an important aspect of them scaling their, their abilities up. And then you get out there and you start to apply, and you're like, this is a fucking disaster or a mess, or they're not uh, like adhering to half the stuff. Uh-huh. Just like with clients, and then you start to, after you've been in this for as long as we have, you start to go like, oh, wow, if I could just get my client to walk mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> this many times a day, and you start to regress, yeah. are you are you? noticing that already like where you you? start
1: of course like you start in with all the best intentions of like I'm going to teach them so much it's going to be mind blowing you know like (laughs) I'm like I'm like demonstrating all these drills and I'm like working with them, actually moving their bodies in a certain way to try and get them to conform to that and like understand it better. And, uh, sometimes you get kids that like, you know, like a light bulb, like turns on, you're like, yeah. But like for the majority, it's like, "Eh," and then they go right back to the habits of like their body just kind of goes into this weird, like contorted Gumby (laughs) position. And I just like pull my hair out, but I've caught myself that that was like the first practice I was like really Like a little bit, like oh shit, I don't know, I don't know, man. I need to like sort of
0: (laughs) how do you how do you approach this differently? How do you get them to do what you want? How old are they?
1: So this is like uh, eight, nine year olds.
0: Uh, So they're a little bit older, but they're still young enough to where they can be a pain in the ass and not listen to you. Like how do
1: you get them to focus?
0: Well, you just have to. I
1: mean, you got to be really assertive like from the very beginning like you can't let them fuck around like (laughs) you know because they just like they'll go play and they have friends on the team and so my son has like two of his best friends on the team so we can't have them in groups together like i just can't i just figured that out i'm like no because they goof around (laughs) so distracting yeah Yeah, so distracting so um yeah we kind of know who gels best like and we start pairing them off accordingly and then also the skills of it and we're trying to we're trying to find out who's going to be like the pitcher and like who's going to be like what position, how we're going to fill this and everything. And so it's it's interesting. Man. Here's it's, what oh, I'm it's looking. Kind of fun.
0: I'm looking forward to hearing about one thing with this entire with you coaching little league, and it's going to be great. I can tell you this right now, Adam. This is going to be awesome. I cannot wait to hear how you deal with the parents <laughs> when the parents are fucking yelling, telling you what, <laughs> telling you what to do, and why isn't my kid playing right now? What what's going on?
1: I, I've heard stories already <laughs> that. One of the kids, like grandma's, is really, really vocal, and like it has because he has an older brother, and like one of the other parents, like I just went last night, like we're trying to like build relationships, you know, with people in the community. You like, might have to fight a grandma. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> up, Granny! You sit down. You sit down. Uh, but yeah, we went to see the Lego Movie with a bunch of like boys, and that was madness. But uh, I was sitting there talking. To oh, one you of the took parents. him to the movies? Yeah. Yeah, a uh, few few the the, the kids and yeah, um, and then after that we went you're that them,
3: asshole, huh? Took him to rolls pizza. it rolls in the movie I'm watching with fucking eight yep. kids, fucking yep. throwing popcorn. Yeah. Well, yelling. it's a kids movie, so <laughs> yeah, you're,
1: yeah. Fuck you for not <laughs> expecting the kids to be there. <laughs> is my opinion. Uh, so yeah, like that's we, fair. Yeah, so we <laughs> so I was talking to one of the parents. And that she's the one that told me about like the grandma that's like very vocal. So like we'll find out all the players' names. And we'll yell at them specifically out there, like you should be grabbing that, you know, ground nerves coming right to you, Seth. You know, like right. like pointing people out. And so I'm like, oh no, like I don't know. I'm gonna have to like uh, sort of figure that one out,
0: dude. Some of the some of these parents of kids who play sports, I I want to strangle, bro. My parents were that dude. They're I watched crazy. my
1: my
3: stepdad used to have to watch fucking my sister's practice from his car in the parking lot. <laughs> they wouldn't let they wouldn't let him on the field. Oh yeah. my god. Yeah, because they get involved so much. Yep. Which and I remember my parents did this to me when I was in high school. So, when I was a freshman, I I lived in a small town, Mariposa, I and I played on the basketball team, and I was really fucking good. Uh, you know, I led the team in points, I led the team in assists and steals. Um, I was one of the star players, and then I moved to a town that was bigger. Mm. It was that was I think that was a Division four or three, and then I moved to a two or a three, whatever. So it was it was a jump. In talent, and it was very obvious. I mean, and I and as a kid, even as a kid, I knew it, you know what I'm saying like I saw my i I, I was clearly a a a starter and one of the best players in in one town, and then I get to another town. and now there's at least one guy who is better than me, and there's another guy who's like close to as good as me, and we're all fighting for the same position. Mm-hmm. And so my first year coming in as a sophomore, I rode the bench a lot, and my parents embarrassed the fuck out of me, dude, because they went down and were like, my kid scores all – because they don't know. They just remember watching me, and I yeah. was killing it, right? And yeah. they are so proud of their son, and they're celebrating, and oh, I'm this g- great player. And then all of a sudden I go to sitting
1: on the bench. Oh, um, my God. That happened my- to me. My dad actually had to become the scorekeeper because otherwise he would yell. <laughs> and he yelled at the coach, blah, blah, and I was just still like, Dad, like, get, be doing something.
3: Don't keep yourself busy. Fight
0: your ba- fight your kids' battles for them, unless oh, it's no, absolutely no, no, necessary, no. because no. It, it just takes away their power. Oh, it and did. It was, it was
3: one of, the, it was one, it was embarrassing for me. It was something that, like, then I never wanted them to come to a game or anything mm-hmm. after that. I'm like, don't I, come. Like, I don't want you guys to be there. Like, oh
0: no, I told. I mean, I don't remember what happened. My son was late to a practice one morning, and, and, he, and he woke up late, and I didn't remind him or anything, and I'm like, you're. You're late, so what do you you know? What are you going to do? So, he went to his practice with ten minutes late, uh, left, and I and he did a lengthy apology to his coach and to his team, and then did the thing. I mean, they have to accept certain amounts of responsibility. I remember when I was in uh, in judo, and I don't know how old I was. I might have been thirteen or fourteen. There was this visiting uh, team from Russia, and they had kids and, and adults of all levels, and uh, one of the kids was in my pool for this tournament. So the last, it's the last match me and him are fighting for first place the person who loses gets second place so i'm going against this kid and uh i get on top of him on the ground nobody's scored any points and i'm putting him in a lapel choke so i'm choking the shit out of this kid and my mom is yelling at me to stop choking him from the crowd (laughs) (laughs) stop i can hear i can hear my mom i can hear my mom in the crowd Stop choking him. He can't breathe. Stop it. You're like, Mom, and, this is part of the sport. And yeah. then, yeah, and then my name, Salvato. Salvato. Stop choking him. Stop it. You're hurting him. Stop choking him. And I'm like, I'm like fucking, like, what do I do? Like, I don't know. And I'm, I'm like, so perplexed right and, now. And, and I mean, there was inside of me, I'm looking at this kid, like, ah, and I'm like, fucking tap out, dude, because I'm going to put you. Just- <laughs> oh, dude. <laughs> it, was, it was
3: so funny. I, is there, what do you think as parents? Is there an, there's an age where you, you, you do intervene and when you don't? Because then I also remember when I was a mm. fourth grader, okay? And I got jumped by two eighth graders. And uh, oh shit, that's yeah. yeah if I see my be. kid do that, I'm jumping in. Right, yeah. so my, <laughs> <laughs> that's different. And and, and, my, and so you know, I'm, I'm in the office, and everything like that, my and my stepdad comes down to pick me up from school, and uh, he asked me if I knew where these kids live. And like I said, yeah, you know I know where they walk, how they walk home from school, and he straight got in the car and fucking we're going after him, yeah. And fucking, whoa. and here are these two kids that had jumped me. They were eighth graders, and I was fourth, yeah, fourth grade is what I was, and they were seventh or eighth. I can't remember. And they're walking, and he's like, looks like he's gonna run him over, whoa! and just locks the fucking e brake up. Right behind him, gets out. So the kids like turn around right and come stomping over and gets in, gets right in both their faces and scares the living shit out of these two kids. Mm-hmm. He doesn't touch them or doing like that, but basically threaten these kids that you. That's you, appropriate, right? I, I Is there eighth graders
0: beating up on in two of them beating up on a fourth grader, yeah. They're lucky they didn't get their asses beat, right? right, right. You know what I mean. My, so
3: that, that's what I mean. Like, so as a parent, what, 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 and I, and I don't, I wasn't, I didn't resent my dad for that. Like I, that felt. No. Uh, now I felt safer. You uh-huh. know, school. Like, okay, these fuckers aren't going to fuck with me now because my my stepdad's going to come down and probably beat them to a living pulp.
0: So you know, my you know my my uh, what my dad did with my brother. So my brother was he was a tough little fucker. He was he's always been a tough kid. Good kid though. Like never get pissed off. But because he was this happy go lucky kid, kids will fuck with him. So our neighbors two of our neighbors who were kids who were they were both one and two years older than him they both jumped my brother and this was when my brother was he's was probably 10 or 11. So what grade is that? And they uh what is that fifth grade maybe? Mm-hmm. Okay maybe so, that's around, fifth, so it's around my age. No no fourth, fourth, fourth grade fifth fourth grade fourth,
3: grade, fourth yeah. grade yeah. So this is what happened to me right? Yeah yeah
0: so he gets jumped by these kids who are a little older than him and there's two of them and he comes back and like his hair is all tussled up and everything and I'm like what happened and He's like, you know, like I don't want to say the kids' names because they still live there. Um, but you know, so and so and so and so both fought me, but I did pretty good or whatever. So my dad says they both fought you at the same time. My brother's like, yeah, and he goes, let's go outside. So my dad walked over there. He called the two kids over. They walked over and they were expecting to get scolded. And he goes, did you guys all fight with each other? And they're like, yeah, we're, we're just playing. He goes, that's fine. You guys can fight. He goes, who wants to go first, one-on-one against my son? So now the kids are all fucking on the spot. Like, uh. <laughs> so my, my brother <laughs> my brother fought one of them one-on-one and beat the crap out of him. Yes. And then my dad pulled him off. You know, And he's like, okay, do you want to fight? No, I don't want to fight anymore. And that was it. It was hilarious. though. Oh, that's great. Because <laughs> my brother was a fucking little terror. Oh, that's awesome. At that age. So anyway.
3: You know what it was? I remember that was the, time, the era of, you remember when Swirlies? Were a big deal. You remember oh, what a swirly? dunk is? your head in the toilet. Yeah, you remember what a, oh, swirly, was? Sh- man, a, swirly, is, a swirly is? Oh man, that's swirly as when you stick someone's head in the toilet and you flush it, and they were trying to do that to me, and it was two of them, and so uh, I, I we I got remember. into it, and they were fucking fighting me in the bathroom, and I'm like, "There's no way I'm fucking letting these two guys <laughs> <laughs> stick, uh, yeah. stick my head in a toilet and do that." But that's what. It, how it started? I remember that was a popular thing, and I don't know where that came from.
0: Yeah, I don't know. But do you remember? I do that? I remember that, that was yeah. a big thing that for happened a, while. To a few. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. my friends. It gets treated differently now. Like if a kid back then uh, did a swirly on a kid or gave a kid a wedgie. You get, like, a citation probably. Oh, yeah, nothing you know, happened to these kids. You know, yeah. no. Yeah. Today, could you imagine if kids put another kid's head in the toilet? They'd probably get charges pressed against well, them. Bullying
1: and- is still happening, though. Yeah. Like, I've, I've been enlightened on this from, from a lot of the other parents and, like, some of their stories. And, like, uh, usually it's around uh, one of the older kids that's, like, jealous because of uh, somebody's relationship with a girl you know and so then they're like peacocking and then they punch you know this kid like stay away from this girl boom punches him in the face like that still happens well, really yeah i didn't think that was
0: still happening that's before guys realize that if they work together they're going to be more right
1: successful. yeah exactly it's like one guy is trying to get like all the attention from the girls that's still i happening. remember that that's- i
0: remember that change in thought process do you remember yeah, that it's,
1: you- su- it's successful on that level though
0: yeah when you're I mean, hanging out yeah. with your buddies and you're like 14, 15. That doesn't last long. No, and then you get no, older everybody and everybody
1: like, turns on you.
0: Hey, if we act cool, more girls will like us than if yeah. we try to peacock it's like around. It's a each other. novel idea. Yeah. yeah. So some dudes <laughs> never. Speaking of dudes doing that, I just read this hilarious study <laughs> on uh, single men. So they did this study on single men versus married men or men who were in a long term relationship. Uh, you want to know what they tested? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yes. All right. You guys are going to like this. So here's the title of the study. Do single men smell and look different to partnered men? <laughs> so, based on research, they actually did research. They took. Uh, one they took, smells like giving up. Yeah. It the they, one smells <laughs> like I'm trying. They take 82 heterosexual women between 18 and 35, and they rated the body odor and faces of males aged 18 to 35. And consistent with the hypothesis, single men had stronger smelling body odor than partnered men. How crazy is that? Now is really? that is that because like you they're think are nervous? No. No, I think it's because you in there's studies that'll show that like estrogen higher and then they're mm. you're creating more um more pheromones. Your, oh, I see. Yeah, they found that when you, you're
3: single, because it's like you're yeah. trying to attract a mate, you're putting it out there. Yeah, yeah yes. you're trying to attract a mate, so your
0: your body is naturally putting off. I, <laughs> mm-hmm. I and can, you and you know, you know what's funny is that that like, when this is this is not an odorous. Like, yeah, come on. And yeah. this is not a uh, this is a not uh, part of this study, but women who are ovulating are more attracted to a body odor. Than women who are not ovulating. So when like women are at, stinky gym clothes. Yeah, when women are at peak uh, fertility and typically peak horniness or whatever, because you know their bodies can get pregnant. That's when they tend to want more. When women get horny. Male body. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Sorry, God. surprise. Speaking yeah. hey, some speak- of them even masturbate. Justin.
3: <laughs> speaking, what? Speaking of odors, so Katrina has has like spidey senses now oh yeah dude. it's hilarious <laughs> that's what happened so i've always and i don't know if this has something to do with allergies or whatever that are just being extra sensitive right i i've always you guys know this you've been with me forever we walk in somewhere like i'm the first one to smell a, mm-hmm. a smell or whatever so that's that's how it's always been for her and i like i always will go somewhere and i'm like oh we can't we can't go here like this smell is bothering me or mm-hmm. whatever and she's like why i don't smell anything and now the roles have reversed. Never in our relationship has this happened to the point where she'll get nauseous. Yep. So when we were on the plane ride back, where did we just all fly to? Where did we fly to just recently? Vegas, Vegas. Oh yeah, Vegas. So when we flew to Vegas, what a good time. He forgot all about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Probably fly a lot. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So, so we're flying back from Vegas, and uh, she had to she had to bury her face into my my shirt for like half the plane ride because the guy next to her. His, his his odor was making her nauseous and sick. And I couldn't even smell him. And I'm like, I'm super sensitive. And she's like, and I didn't know why she was doing it. She's all leaning into me for the longest time. And I'm like, what? are you okay? And she's just like, oh,
0: the smell, the smell. Dude, I, I find that stuff so fascinating because yeah. your biology, there's a huge influence from your biology. I mean, women naturally, if you were to take a group of 100 men women and compare them to a group of 100 men, naturally women have a keener sense of smell taste hearing and, for sure um i don't know about hearing
1: uh, but like i later on when when i swear my wife's hearing just like it, it's on another
3: absolutely, level absolutely because you're a, yeah you're cub dude you're you, you're yeah. worried about she weird can sounds hear like the most yeah. like, like a
1: pin drop
0: well so like i don't i don't know about that one but the ones that i know about are smell taste and sight so women can't see better but they uh-huh. can discern color better
1: oh, so and so
0: it, women for foraging yeah, like, so when purposes. they yeah so when they yeah so when they take like a spectrum of colors women can identify subtle changes in uh in 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 the tone of a color and a lot of men can't in fact there's way more men that are colorblind than women uh-huh. and it, it's obviously because women carry a baby and so they need to be able to discern you know when what they were hunter gatherers like you're getting yeah. yeah or is this is this good or is this bad and mm. so their sense of smell when they're pregnant Goes through the roof because it's a better safe than sorry strategy, well, right? Well, it's, it's, uh.
3: it's extremely uh, obvious for us in our relationship because you, even though that may be true for most parts, there's always exceptions to the rule. Sure. I happen to be the exception to the rule in this relationship, where I've, or any relationship I've been in, I've always had a, a higher sense of smell than anybody I've ever known until now, which is really fascinating for me to have her. I mean last night we were watching TV same thing again she's like oh my god she's like she gets up she walks over into the kitchen which is the room over from our our living room and she has to unplug the air freshener cuz she's like it's making me sick i want to throw
0: up i'm like the air freshener
3: mm-hmm. <laughs> it makes the house smell better like really and it's all the way in the other room it's i'm like chemicals wrong. Yeah. yeah it's the chemicals
0: yeah i remember when uh when when i was married my my wife at the time like couldn't couldn't go into the garage there was and i would walk in there and i'm like i smell nothing i don't smell anything but she couldn't even go into the garage without getting nauseous and eventually i found what it was and it was fucking two chips two potato chips in the corner that were kind of bad or whatever but she could smell it from the house (laughs) (laughs) it's like she became a superhero yeah it's weird no
3: it's it's like crazy right now it's every day it's something different uh smell wise that that bothers her and I'm like, I've never heard these comments. It's always me. It's always like, oh, ugh, I don't like the smell. And mm. I'm like, not yeah. saying fart outside, it's dude. It's she's got super spidey senses right now. Is it's she
0: uh, is she craving anything different besides the oranges, or yeah. is that the same?
3: Yeah, no, she's on this gummy bear kick right now. Even though she won't admit <laughs> it. <laughs> she wanted. She wanted. A minute. She's eaten more gummy bears in the last like fucking four weeks than she has in the eight years we were together. So I could. I think you could say yeah. it's a, it's a mm. new. It's a new weird craving. So she's
0: she's definitely craving the fruit, the <clears throat> fruity taste of whatever. You might want to make her like she's frozen fruit. So she's treats. she's doing
3: the the smoothie box on a very consistent basis mm. right now. So oh, that's, that's good. so that was like my suggestion to her because of that. Um, she, But I, I have her talking now, so it's been awesome, uh, and I don't know if uh, Dr. Uh, Gabrielle Lyon is listening to us on a regular basis now or not, but a, a shout-out to her for – she's, like, totally um, taking Katrina in and has been – Oh, cool. Com, they've been texting back and forth, and they're in communication nice. on a regular basis now. Yeah, so.
1: they have about, the, like, a similar date, right? Is oh, like yeah, a they're mid, a week or like, two. Like, yeah,
3: with a, d- a week or two different in their pregnancy, and wow. so she's been an incredible resource, um, and and it's – you know how it is, like – It's so much easier for somebody else to tell her. Of course, like who the fuck am I? You know, I'm saying like so. I've been she's going through it because I've been telling her since the beginning. Like I think she's under she's under eating right now, and and I think some of that is natural because she's not training as consistent as she was before this first trimester. She also had some sick morning sickness. So I mean, like so the first trimester, just like what you know, Dr. Lyon was saying. She said the first trimester has been has been really tough for her too, as far as getting into the gym and wanting to train because she doesn't feel good or whatever. And so Katrina's been the same way. Well, what happens when her and I don't train, we both are similar in this way, is we under-eat. And, like, you know, I i am always this way, too. When I get inconsistent with my training, it's uh it's a lack of getting nutrient-dense foods that my body needs, and it's over-consuming the foods that I don't need. Mm-hmm. Like, that's typically what happens. And so I think Katrina is, is trying to figure that all out right now, and, and I have her tracking- uh, this week actually to dive into that With her and get a
2: little more specific with what I think She can add to her diet mm. This quiz brought to you by Organifi For those days you fall short On getting your organic veggies or whole Food nutrition Organifi Fills the gap with laboratory tested Certified organic superfoods To help give your health and performance the added Edge try Organifi totally Risk free for 60 days by going To Organifi.com That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com, and use a coupon code Code MindPump for 20% off at checkout. First question is from Rolando Chavez2. Why are the calves so difficult to grow? Son of a
0: bitch! Stupid Man, Stupid this is question. all about you guys. You know what? Can I? Can I just? <laughs> Sorry. We're gonna We're gonna have a, a, an honest conversation. A now. moment of silence. We're gonna have an honest. <laughs> no, 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 no. no. We're gonna have an honest, honest conversation. Okay. okay. All right. What is that? Because <laughs> like, uh, double honest. Yeah. I I'm right. curious. Super honest conversation. Because calves have this notorious uh, reputation for being stubborn muscles, they don't want to build, they don't want to grow. Uh, part of that reason, uh, there, there is a genetic, uh, you know, definitely a genetic effect. Part of it is the shape. So if you have really short calves, no matter how big you get them, they're not going to look that impressive. They won't look as impressive as a calf that's longer. But I, I'm going to be quite honest here. A large, large, most, probably 98% of the reason why people have a tough time working their calves or building their calves is they just don't train them nearly as consistently, nor do they start training them as early as they train the rest of the body. Mm-hmm. That's I'm just going to put it out there because I'm going to be honest about it for myself. Uh, I didn't hit my calves for a long time when I was a kid. It was never in my workout. I, I hit my legs, but I never really hit my calves. And it wasn't until when we started podcasting that I'm like, that's it, I'm going to make my calves grow. And guess what? I added an inch on my calves during that whole time when you, when you and yeah. I, Adam, were, yeah. were going for it. So- I don't think there's something inherently with, you know with the cal- inherent with the calves that makes them so difficult to well, I just think a lot of I, people don't I, fucking train. I, them.
3: Th- I think there's, I think you're 100 percent right. and then I think there's other factors there's some, there's, there's some factors in there. One, um, it, is a, it is a muscle that is is being stimulated while you walk all the time. So if you already have a high insertion, which will means your calves are way, like small and up high, right So like I have a very high insertion. I have uh, and and you're right. Even the best my calves ever looked, they still didn't look that impressive because they don't. They're not like Justin. Justin has cankles, right? His calves go all the way down. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> that felt uh, insulting somehow. Yeah.
0: No, he's got a, he's got to go all the way
3: down. They do, and so it it automatically makes the calf muscle look. It is bigger. It's got a longer origin and insertion, and so it's it's a, it's got a longer muscle belly, and so then they already he's got a genetic advantage. So that that plays somewhat of a role. But does that mean somebody who has terrible calves can't build them? No, I, I think that there's some common mistakes. I think uh, lots of uh, high repetition stuff tends to be the way that people gravitate. I think one of the biggest game changers for me was lifting heavy five reps, full range of motion, like all the way down, all the way up onto my tiptoes, like full range of motion with load, um for short for only five reps was one of the biggest things that made him explode. And then I really had to increase the frequency on how much I was training my calves because I think again, going to the point of they're getting stimulated when you walk and so they're already used to a decent amount of volume because you walk on them. So you have
0: to really ramp up that volume to stimulate them to grow more. Well, think about it this way. Look, we've all worked in gyms for a long time, okay? How often do you see people doing... Thirty to thirty minute to an hour minute uh, to sixty minute uh, chest workouts or bicep workouts. Right. How long? How often do you dedicate yeah. that to calves? You never. Right. I, Nobody's ever doing more than t- one exercise for calves, and that's the best. Right. I did. Right. I did this for four years.
3: So for four years of my life, I can honestly say because I was getting on stage. Uh, the rest of my life, I could care less. You know, it's like someone teased me about my forearms. It's like, whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like, a, it's, I'm not really that concerned to where I'm going to dedicate that much time. But when I had to get on stage and I was being judged by my physique, I had never put as much attention on my calves as I did during the time that I was competing. And I, I'll post a picture. So if you don't, uh, if I don't remember, and this goes live, uh, DM me, I, I, I actually just... Went through my old uh, library of picks and I I grabbed some of the calf ones to show people that have been that have texted me. Now, right now, my calves look terrible. It's uh, my Achilles. I have I've hardly ever touched them. I can train them once every two weeks at best, and they're it's more rehab type stuff I do today. But there was a time where I think my calves were the most impressive I've ever seen them. And when I was at that point, it one I had been after them for a good two to three years. Uh, leading into that, and the the amount of frequency and volume, I was training them a minimum of three to five times a week, and a minimum of one to two times were like a full dedicated session to mm-hmm. them. Yeah. And you were well,
0: doing, I, a, we were both doing occlusion training.
3: Yeah, and well, that was part of that. Mm-hmm. I was doing, I was including that in that. So it's they, you're right. There's just not a lot of attention on them, I think, and so there's a lot of neglect uh, there. I also uh, another point um, that I noticed uh, gains from this. Funny that funny that this happened. When I started squatting, really heavy and deep, I got some carryover and benefits from that. Mm -hmm. Never would have expected that. Yeah, more Uh, ocean. Right, and and you're getting your calves are getting involved in that when you're in that deep, deep squatted position to get you out of there. You don't realize, and especially when you're you're loading three, four hundred pounds on your back, like absolutely, you're getting some stimulus like that. So, Uh,
1: yeah, it's funny because I know like, you know, in terms of like where my calves are right now and all this stuff. Uh, But there was work that went into actually building and developing, you know, even if it was not intentional. And, like, I think to to Sal's point of, like, starting early, so, like, when I think about, like, when I first started even just training for football and I was – I was moving and pushing around really fucking heavy sleds like all day long and then I'm sprinting and then I'm also working on training for basketball and I'm working on my jumping skills, my reactive abilities. Like I was just constantly on the ball of my foot and then also like moving and being explosive that had to have carried into the... And then also like in the gym doing squats like Adam's talking about and they're doing power cleans. This is all going to affect that muscle along with everything else. Yeah, oh, I, 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 I 100% agree agree with that. Yeah.
0: And and if I look at like, if I look at my total training uh, time where I'm dedicated lifting weights, trying to build muscle from 14 till now at 40, um, all those years I've trained consistently uh, pretty much most of my body, definitely my upper body. My legs kicked in a little bit later, right around the age of 16 is when I started to hit my legs. And so you're talking about 24, 25 years, you know, of dedicated upper body and then and then also mostly upper thigh workouts. Now, if I were really to accumulate the total amount of calf, dedicated calf training, it's like three, four years. Are my calves ever gonna catch up to my upper body? Probably not because I've I've got so much I'm so far ahead. And most people Or like that. And so that's why I think it has a bad rap. Go to any gym. Walk around any gym. Look to how much time people spend on working out their calves. Barely anybody. Look at how much equipment is dedicated to calves. You're lucky if you have one calf machine. I've been to many gyms where there wasn't even one calf machine, let alone two. So you're lucky if you have a standing calf and a seated calf. And if you have three calf machines, you're in like bodybuilder heaven. Well,
3: that's why this is why I loved uh, the Bernal Gym. Because, because they have the donkey calf. <laughs> oh, right. they have donkey. They have seated. They have the 45. They've got, um, uh, dude, they have like they seven. They've like little interest. Oh, I remember that. Oh, man. It was, they that was, and that was why I was, the main reason why I trained at that gym was because I was hitting my calves five times a week, and I wanted as many different options as I possibly could. And I did. I mean, I, it was a huge, I saw a big change in my calves, huge change just from that. But it took a lot of Dedication and, and the same that you would apply to every other muscle in your body. And you're right, Sal. Just we 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 talk all about the chest and the shoulders and the back and things like that and and the effort that people put towards growing and building and changing that. If you applied that same effort, literally, like if you would dedicate a whole hour to just <laughs> to and I started doing shit like that. I there was days. I came to the gym and it was an entire calf session. Mm-hmm. I've spent an hour on my. Now calves. you got to
0: be clear. You worked your way up to that, by the way.
3: Uh, oh if yeah, you're yeah, listening yeah. and you oh, work your calves out. Yeah, yeah, <laughs>
1: that's a horrible. No,
3: idea. no, no. Oh, again. Yeah. The the same rules apply to this muscle as everything else. I'm always trying to do as little work as possible to elicit the most amount of change, and that's why I say it took four years. It was four years of the guy who rarely ever hit calves or occasionally hit calves or threw them in my leg workouts at the end, to the guy who was like. Calves are my main focus. Okay, I'm doing a full dedicated session, and then it was okay another day that's getting in there. Oh, then adding it towards the end of another session, and then before long, I'm incorporating calves five days a week, and one to two of those days are like full dedication mm-hmm. towards them. And they they did. They were the best they'd ever they ever looked. I fuck. I had. I remember getting compliments every now and then, and that was a big thing for me to go from being the guy that always always teased about having no calves to having decent calves. But there are certain things. That you just can't change, and that's the the high origin insertion
0: for my calves. Like, and I'll share that you'll see the picture. Like, they're not you, super high. You, you're, I would say your your insertion is is medium in compared to the rest of your body. Bro, high. if
3: you have a foot, okay, between your ankle and your calf, you have a very high an origin insertion. Okay, so so here's,
0: think of. The, I'm I'm yeah. being totally objective, okay. Yeah. If if you were to compare your calf insertion and origin to the average person. I would say it's medium. Now the 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 difference is every other muscle you have on your body has a very long insertion. Right. You have real long biceps, real long triceps. Right. Your pecs, your lats, all everything else is long. Yes. So in comparison, it looks like it's really there. You go. Short. That's yeah. fair. That's oh, that's
3: right. Yeah. Okay, you're right. For me, I'm not. I'm not comparing myself to every other person. I'm comparing my body. Yeah. And you it, just
0: have long muscle bellies all over, which right. would really benefits you. You know, uh, on stage, for, especially upper body. Right. But yeah. not so much
3: on my calves. So right, right. Right. But I mean, you again, like uh, they are. I think they are very much so built. And I think like to your point again Sal if I was doing that since I was a kid if I was actually tr- looking at it like the way I, I went Dude, after my chest if I mean.
0: calves were biceps I swear to God this would have, you would never have heard people talk about how hard it is to develop calves if if girls were super attracted to muscular dudes to, to calves if guys thought that um, I guarantee you you would not be hearing about you know that they're stubborn body part everybody be training. nobody ever trains them it's, it, I, half the workouts I read throw them in as kind of an afterthought um, so it's I, I, it's total myth it's a complete myth now you can definitely have parts of your body that don't seem to respond as well as other parts of your body but part of it goes to are you dedicating the time and effort and energy to developing that body part are you connecting well to that muscle um, are you able to get a good mind to muscle connection? But very rarely is it like that, All the genes that work for the rest of your body that help it develop, all of a sudden you have these different muscle building genes for one specific well, part and, of your body. And, and
3: the things we talk about, like full range of motion, right, and control, and these very much so apply to your calves. And something I had to do, I had to be okay with, was, you know, what heavy, what five heavy full range of motion standing calf raises for me isn't very impressive, It wasn't a lot of weight, you know, but it was for me to go all the way down, all the way up onto my tiptoes and with a decent load to where I would fail at somewhere between five to seven reps, I didn't need to put that much weight. That's how weak my calves were. And so don't fall into the trap of what I see a lot. And there's this, this hopping rat, like the bouncing,
0: uh, bouncy reps.
3: Yeah. The bouncy reps and just trying to load plates, load plates. And get into that because I, I then shortening the range up like that, you're just not going to get the max benefits. Just like if you were to do these little tiny pumping curls or these little short, tiny reps for your chest, like you're not going to build a big chest that way. You're better off going a lighter weight and taking it through full range of motion and control than you are pumping out a bunch mm-hmm. of reps really light or really uh, fast.
2: Next question is from Sloth K 60 you guys talk about training your CNS. How does training your CNS differ from training muscle groups?
0: Yeah, we do talk a lot about training the central nervous system. Well, okay, I want to be clear, you can't really separate the yeah, two. Yeah, it's all related. Yeah, like anytime you fire a muscle, what is causing that muscle to fire? Is, is, the CNS. is your central nervous system. If you separated the two, you would, that would be you would you wouldn't be able to activate your muscles somebody else would have to activate them for you. So in other the words, time. they both
3: feed into each other. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: they both work. So anytime you're training one, uh, you're training the other. I think the the thing that we should probably talk about is how to mind uh, each one of those things and how, here's a good example. Like when I train at a super, super high intensity, there's a certain amount of damage that happens to the muscle itself. But then there's also a certain amount of, damage, if if you will, for lack of a better term, that happens in the central nervous system and it and they both can recover mm. at different paces because muscles are affected more more often than not by direct damage. So like I work out my bicep really hard and I'm going most of the damage that happens to the muscles of my body are going to happen to that bicep that I'm working. But all stress, all stresses affect your central nervous system. Mm-hmm. It's like a you have a it's like you have a bucket That is all stress, and it doesn't matter if it's stress from an argument you got into with your spouse, stress from lack of sleep, stress from poor diet, stress from super, super hard workouts. It all goes in the same bucket. all that is feedback. Yeah, it all goes in the same bucket, and even though your muscles are not getting that much damage because your workout's easy, if your CNS is at its limit because, again, you're not sleeping well, you just lost your job— you know maybe you're fighting an infection you know whatever um you have to mind that you can't just hammer your muscles without considering the fact that your CNS won't be able to handle it
3: well there's also exercises that contribute more to building your CNS than others also right that this is why i really like your speaker and amplifier uh, analogy i think that's such a great way to paint the picture for people to simplify something that is extremely complicated so complicated that there, we still don't know everything about mm-hmm. the CNS. So I think that's important to tell people, like, the science on the central nervous system is still uh, n- unclear. There's not We're not for sure about some things. But there's some things that we've pieced together and what we do know. And one of the things is there is a difference between a bicep curl and a barbell back squat as far as what the, what's happening with the CNS. Mm-hmm. There's so much more demand on your on your CNS to and it's it's kind of obvious right you're firing a ton of, diff, of different muscles so it's like a bunch
1: of <coughs> a bunch of speakers mm are being are turned on, right, versus... So you need a what, strong ramp. You need Yeah, right. exactly. You need to crank up your amplitude for certain types of uh, exercises that are, like, compound, so it has a, more of a systemic effect for these exercises. They need more power. They need more juice. Exactly. And so you need to be able to tap into that, which is really what we're talking about when we say central nervous system versus... Uh, I, mean, I mean, at the same time, too, like, you can work, uh, you know, the muscles and we can work more in a hypertrophy type of style, training but that's going to put a little you don't require quite as much of an amplitude for those.
0: No, and okay, so here's a here's a good example of really trying to train uh, my CNS. So when I'm when I'm trying to train my CNS what I'm trying to do is get it to be able to fire with more juice in a more effective way. Now part there's a lot of things that control that. One of them is does your body feel safe? Uh, you know sending a loud central nervous system you know amplifier signal because again by using the example of the amplifier and speakers if your amplifier was let's say it was an AI amplifier and it could sense the amount of power that the speakers could take it would limit its power based on what it think the speakers could take it's not going to go more than the speakers can handle because it'll blow the speakers out right. well if your body isn't doesn't feel quite safe throwing out all of its power you're not going to be able to to get it. And so part of CNS training is getting your body to feel safe throwing out more of that of that juice, if you will. And a lot of that has to do with how your muscles fire, your control, your stability. So to give you a great example, you, you know, if you looked at a highly trained Olympic lifter, they sure they have strong and big muscles, but they're also able to harness maybe 90% of their potential from their central nervous system. Versus, let's say, a bodybuilder who's the same size who doesn't really train to maximize the, the the signal, but just trains to build muscle. They're not. They might be only able to summon sixty percent. And so the the Olympic lifter is going to snatch and clean and press or just squat even more weight than the bodybuilder who's really just interested in in, in hypertrophy. CNS training is very important, extremely important for athletes. Like. Mm-hmm. If you're an athlete and you want to be able to explode, a lot of that has to do with the ability to summon this maximum power without hurting yourself.
3: I, I think it's I think it's just as important to the, the person chasing aesthetics, and I'll tell you why. This was part of the reason why I, I, I scaled through the amateur to the professional level in competing was because I understood this part and understood the benefits of going through a a powerlifting type of a cycle in my training, even though I'm not a quote-unquote powerlifter, I'm a bodybuilder. And this is what I saw very common with my peers. So I think a, a great takeaway from this conversation is if you're somebody... Who trains a lot like a bodybuilder because you want to look like a bodybuilder or a bikini athlete and so you're kind of following what they're all doing which is this hypertrophy, supersetting, high reps, going chasing the pump, talking about the pump all the time and you rarely ever do a strength cycle where all you care about is like how much heavy weight I can lift, you're Mm -hmm. dropping three to five, you're dropping all the way down to a three to five rep range. And you don't ever train like that. You are going to benefit so much from that because yeah. that, like, if you can get just a little bit more, like Sal is saying, if like c- comparing the Olympic lifters, if you can, if you can run a strength cycle for four weeks where you're focused on this three to five type of a rep range, and you can get a little bit more out of your amplifier, a little mm-hmm. bit more out of your CNS. That now will carry over into the hypertrophy and the building phase when you now go back into that. You'll be much stronger. You'll build more of, more muscle. You'll get more of a pump. So that little bit extra that you get out of that CNS kit will really even play into somebody who is not focused like an athlete that just wants to look better. I, I, I'm telling you, this was what allowed me for show over show to improve. And when I looked at my peers, and I still think this is a problem. I was talking at that seminar at Red Dot to uh, two of my my buddies that are pros. And you know the, the, a lot of the physiques they look they get to a point and they kind of peek out and the, I my theory on why they do is because they they have reached their max potential from their CNS they're kind of always chasing hypertrophy mm. they're 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 at their rev limiter and they haven't elevated a no new reserve exactly they haven't from. created a yeah. new a new level of capacity from their CNS because they never train like a strength athlete and they
1: would greatly benefit from
3: that you know
0: it's a great way to illustrate this is Definitely. how to properly do plyos
1: yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You, and, and that's the thing is like this this direct access to, you know, maximal amplitude um, has to be really respected. And to be really respected, you have to be intentional uh, with that specific movement that you're you're asking, requesting. So uh, to be able to stay in that max amplitude, um, it, it's a very short window. And so when we, we treat things like box jumps, and that, this is why I get irritated, we all get irritated when we start to see them used as like a fatiguing uh, type of an exercise. Yeah, that's
0: training the muscles. Right. Yeah, if you're doing it to fatigue, you're training the muscles, choose something else. No,
1: that's one of the best expressions of, uh, you know, really using and tapping into that max amplitude. And so you want to direct all of that 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 generated force uh, upward. And so, you know, that's that's something that you you want to – you want to fully recover. So you want to recharge. It's just like, you know, recharging the battery completely. And then now we're going to access it again and and, and express it.
0: Because you're practicing how to summon all of that power. That's what you're doing the plyos That's for. That's the point of it. You're not doing plyos to get tired. If you just wanted to get tired, you could just jump in place. But what you're trying to do is practice your ability to summon all of this power. And it is a skill. And here's the thing, too, with with CNS-type training— CNS- type training contributes to the skill of the movement that you're, that you're practicing. So it's also your body synchronizing when to fire, what muscles and how hard to fire them to maximize mm. whatever pursuit you're going after. You know, it's the reason why a, a boxer will punch with 10 times the force of a strong man mm-hmm. who has way more mass and way more muscle. A boxer knows how to summon their CNS. Maximize the technique. Maximize the the entire movement, and turn and and get that. There's no
1: interruption in that signal. Mm. They've refined it over the years so many times because they've perfected the skill of that one movement, and so that's why that's so important is is to really refine the process. Because if there's any reserve if there's like the governing and the mechanisms in place are trying not to get you hurt Mm -hmm. and so it's it's an important factor that we have in our body it it protects us from having all this access you know
0: go somewhere it shouldn't go you know what's funny is we're talking a lot about like when you're when you're trying to improve power and speed and bodybuilding but this is more important for the beginner because when i get a client as a brand new client most of what I'm doing in the beginning is training the central nervous system. Now, I'm not doing plyos, and I'm not doing powerlifting. I'm just trying to teach them to control their body. And you can see because they're all shaking like a leaf. And uh, it's moving. all stability training. Yeah. It's all trying to get them to be able to squat properly and learn how to move properly without their knees doing crazy things and their arms doing crazy That's all CNS training. Mm-hmm. In fact, very little of it is causing any muscle damage. Now, some of them might get sore because they're super deconditioned. But really, it's all CNS training for a little while. We're not able to really push the muscle training until later on. And this is why I always tell people to go to the gym and practice. Don't go to the gym to work out. Go to the gym to practice your exercises. The workout will come naturally. It's that training your body to move properly. That's the part you need to focus on. Next question is from
2: Architechnology. What are the pros and cons of adding
0: calories via reverse dieting but staying low-carb? So, this would be like just reverse dieting, staying low carb versus reverse dieting and adding carbs. So, just a quick uh, description of what a reverse diet is this is when you, rather than cutting your calories down, you slowly add them up um, with a good uh, strength training routine. And the effort is to speed up your metabolism. So, the goal is to get someone from, say, 1500 calories up to 1800 calories with minimal or no fat gains because you're trying to speed up their metabolism. So that's kind of what a reverse diet is. And some people like to try to, they think, minimize the fat gain by staying low carb the whole time, and other people will throw carbs in. So
3: I used to do this, but not for that reason. So I, I, I like to, when I come out of a show, and I've learned this from doing it multiple ways, is why I like to stay low carb, and the, the major benefits that I saw from it was – when you come from when you're reverse dieting and you're you're coming out of a, a major calorie surplus, your body
0: or deficit, you mean
3: or deficit. That's what I mean. Uh, your body is like starving for the for nutrients because you've been depriving it as it is, and then you decide to give it. And if you, when you give it carbohydrates, it kicks up that blood sugar spikes, your appetite goes up, the... and then i then I want more. I want more, and it's hard for me to discipline myself to shut it off. At okay, I'm only going to allow myself to have 120 grams. Real quick, 120 turns into 400. And so why I've liked to actually do like a higher fat, higher protein reverse diet and slowly introduce carbohydrates is to control the, the, uh, the hunger and the appetite point. spiking, not because, Oh, what, what I think everybody presents it on Instagram or presents it on like gimmicks to get you to click and buy some shit It's presenting it as it's the best way to optimize or limit the fat gain that you'll do. Like try to take a little bit of science to support some, some new gimmick way of doing things. Now nah, here's. The real pros of it is that you're you're probably not going to be craving as much. Therefore, that's what's going to really do the biggest benefit. It's not making a huge difference as yeah. far as calories. If you're eating a surplus of calories, whether it's all fat and protein, it's it can get stored as fat just as easily.
0: Yeah. The pro, the other the the pro to throwing carbs in, in my opinion, uh, we talked about the con, but here would be the pro of throwing some carbs in if you could stay disciplined. That post-show muscle-building signal can be insane. The, the most muscle I've ever felt like I've ever put on in the fastest period of time was after I had dieted down and got real shredded for the original MAPS anabolic uh, photo shoot. Got my body fat down to single digits. After that, I started eating more calories, and I was still working out, and it was like... It was like I was on anabolic steroids. I was I just building I One
3: hundred percent agree that and that's a that's a great way to look at it. If you're if you're somebody who is trying to build and you want to uh, after this this show that you did or this cut that you did to come down and you want to put on some size and you want to have an amazing, my workouts were amazing too. Oh. So some of the best workouts I ever had in my life was post show refeeding 800 grams of carbs and then going and working out you're just using all of it
0: oh god it's like your body's a sponge yeah, yeah.
3: exactly and, it, and the the pump was insane the lift fell. i didn't want to it was so hard to leave the gym i didn't want to stop it was just so amazing that feeling so promoting adding gains at post show there's the positive but that like i said the con
0: is it can get out of control real quick oh dude you're dealing with crazy and it's not just the physiological changes that your body goes through from adding carbs in when they've been so low and all that stuff psychologically when you're dieting for something and i mean real hard actually anybody can anybody who's ever dieted can relate but especially when you diet down to a shredded level you are it's a it's a it's a it's a struggle uh, at a certain point i remember i think it was when i got below 8 or 7% body fat like i was very cognizant that my body was fighting for me to eat and i would get i would have dreams about food i started to obsess about food And that's a mental state. Once you open the floodgates, you're like, oh, cool. I don't need to do this anymore. I can just eat. It's really easy to slip into the fucking binging.
3: Oh, well, add in the fact, too, back to the psychological piece, you start introducing those carbs. And let me tell you, the first few, probably thousand, depending on how big you are, all look like they, they look like they all go to good oh
0: no, you look leaner at first oh
3: yeah it, it fills out all your muscle bellies all of a sudden your muscle bellies are more pronounced so you look like you have more muscle separation your energys great your lips are great so it's really easy for you to justify keeping the train going when you don't you don't realize like okay you're completely filled up already now it's time to cut it off or yeah. slow down you just keep seeing positive results and then until you start <laughs> to see negative ones and by that time it's too late you've already gone yeah. overboard
0: in know? my personal opinion if you're an average person, and your health is good, and you don't have any you know major food intolerances or gut issues that need to be dealt with because sometimes people need to go low carb or paleo uh to starve down you know certain types of bacteria or inflammation or food intolerance. but let's just say you're a healthy person and you can eat you know whole natural foods for carb sources and fats and proteins and don't have an issue. I don't recommend cutting anything too low. I just don't think it's a smart approach unless you have to. But if you don't have to, you live in the modern world, you've got a wide variety of foods to choose from. The second you cut out a macronutrient, even though carbs are not essential, if you don't have to, I feel like you're going to set yourself up for failure. That's my personal opinion. I don't think that's a long-term approach. Maybe a fanatic will get away with it for a long period of time, but I have yet to meet anybody who went super low-carb. Um, and it wasn't for a particular health issue, and stayed that way forever. I, I've yet to meet anybody you know do that. It's just not a, a good long term approach. And you can eat all the macronutrients, and if you eat them in a the right way, and you don't overeat, and you're active, and all, you can be amazingly healthy with a wide variety of macronutrient uh, profiles. I think that's been proven through all the population studies. So, you know, in my opinion, considering all the psychological potential effects of Adding in carbs, uh, eventually, once you feel comfortable, you should probably add them in. You don't want to, you know, always keep yourself super low carb unless you're, you're treating something. Next question is from
2: Jake Wagner. A uh, higher ranked PT than me at my gym claims a squat is not functional as a human movement. How do you explain to him that it is?
1: That's silly. I mean, that's <laughs> the dumbest thing
2: I've ever. Heard. Well, I think it. it there's obviously.
3: It, <laughs> he doesn't understand the definition, I guess, of what functional is, and then therefore I could see you not understand. Yeah, I would because like like I don't you know think it, means. I don't think that uh, a movement can be can be more functional than a squat. But I've heard guys try and make the the comment like, okay, if it's the most functional, what do we do the most? We walk around, right? We walk mm-hmm. around and we or sit, right? So right. what are the most common things we do? So, so we should just w- hip
1: hinge and bend over the whole
3: time. Well, no. So walking would be more like so they would they would argue that a lunge is more functional than a squat, and this is like well, a split lunge is a squat, right? It is exactly. This is a, like I said, a splitting hair type of argument that yeah. some trainers will try just to have an g- argument that a squat's not the most functional. I think a lunge or a Bulgarian split squat would be, and it's like they're yeah. all squats. One's a one, one has leg. one leg in the front, one yeah, leg in the back. Right. But and, and their 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 base of their argument is that it it. It, uh, it reflects what walking looks like more than what a squat is because you don't... So
0: here, here are the... I'm going to go from a, a hunter-gatherer. Most of the time that humans have been on earth, that's where I'm going to use... Uh, that's the criteria that I'm going to use for functional. Okay, So here's what's functional. Here's what our bodies evolved to do. Okay, Throw with accuracy. So that would be a functional movement. Can you throw something with some type of accuracy? Is that super applicable to modern life? Probably not, not unless you play a sport where you throw something. Um, if you were able to throw something with good accuracy, would that mean you probably have healthy shoulders? Yes, so that's kind of a good thing. Um, walking, obviously. Uh, running for long distance. This was very functional for most of human civilization. Our bodies evolved to be able to do this for a long period of time. Is that necessary in modern life? Eh, not really. Would it benefit you a little bit? Probably would benefit if you could do it, but again, in modern life, not really. Um, squatting. Women. This is how women had babies. This is how people pooped. And this is how people sat to, to relax, to but also to stay, uh, to be able to move. Mm-hmm. Now, if you don't, if people don't believe me, go to any modern hunter-gatherer society and go to some third world societies and see how people wait for the bus or sit when they're not working or whatever. They sit in a comfortable squat position and it takes pressure off the lower back. It's a, now, for most people listening- the average modern westerner you think how can you relax in a squat well yeah we lost that ability a long time yeah. ago
1: well there was some interesting thoughts that when we went to the human garage like a long time ago and they had this theory about like how much pressure internally that uh, we don't account for like that we uh, based off of eating and based off of like atmospheric pressures, you know, whatever. But one of the best ways to actually like lower that internal pressure is to squat. And like there was there was nothing that had more substantial benefit than a squat mm. just for that purpose.
3: And is that because of the the outward forces of you trying to resist that while you're in a squat because you're tightening up your core and all those internal muscles to support that? Because we're getting when you think about it, I know you you kind of rolled your eyes a little bit when you said atmospheric pressure, but we're being stuck on this earth.
1: No, it's a real it's, thing. We're spinning <laughs> through the universe yeah. right now, and, and
3: gravity is pushing down on all of yeah. us to stay on this. So we're getting pressure all well, the time. Well, we, we so working the 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 muscles mm-hmm. that resist that mm-hmm. would be like all your internal muscles that, that support like your core and your spine, right? So therefore, when you're squatting, that's probably getting activated
1: at its greatest in comparison
3: well, to almost anything.
0: Well, else. maybe I don't you know I don't know much about that, so I'm not I don't necessarily yeah want to comment I was on
1: that. yeah no I know and I was just putting that out there as a theory that they had explained to us and I thought that that was an interesting take on the squat itself. I know it being functional from just uh, a movement perspective Mm -hmm. and what that's done to then also like reinforce uh, any other movement you're going to talk to me about. Like it has, it translates to everything.
0: Well look, okay I mentioned some of the functional human movements, how humans evolved and but what are the costs of losing these functional movements? So what's the cost of losing the ability to throw with super accuracy at, at high speeds, it's not a huge loss, right? What's the cost of losing the ability to uh, run for long distances um, You know, with a healthy gait? Not a huge am- amount of loss in, in, in modern life. There was a lot of loss from not being able to walk barefoot and, and strengthen our feet, but we correct that with shoes and all kinds of crazy shit. But what is the loss of not being able to squat? That's huge. Mm-hmm. What are some of the most common Problems in modern societies from a pain standpoint low back, mm-hmm. hip, hips. knee, and then if we go down the chain, ankle stuff. Those are super, super common. People tend, now, if in my opinion, when you take somebody from not being able to squat with good control and good stability and you teach him to be able to squat and it takes time to be able to squat with good control and good stability, their back pain goes away, their hip pain goes well, away, their knee pain goes away. Isn't
1: there a statistic for if you like, you know, if your hips? uh degrade into where you can't get up and down anymore like your life expectancy goes way down.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. That's a test that they do now where they'll ask somebody to stand up without uh using anything to help. And that will and if you're not
1: doing squats, let's be honest, like how is how are you gonna prevent that dude, otherwise?
0: Dude, Adam, you're you're a great example. You always had low back pain. Yeah no, it's gone.
1: And, yeah. Completely. And it's because I I was waiting to to
3: speak on this, but I mean it to Jordan Shallow's point the other day when we had him here. Remember when he said there's no such thing as a bad shoulder? It's that it's a multifaceted joint that you have all these surrounding muscles that are responsible for keeping that joint healthy so it can take itself through full range of motion. And what happens is we neglect a lot of those muscles, and then that adds stress to that area, which is where bursitis ends up happening for a lot of people. And the body says, okay, this hurts. And then it sends fluid in there. And then we have all these fucking problems. This is super common with the hips and with the shoulders. And one of the things that I had bursitis in my hips, I had low back issues all the time, all of it completely gone. Hmm. And all of it is is attributed to the work I had to put in to get to the point to where I could squat ass to grass. And now that I can squat ass to grass, I no longer have to put all the work in that I had to do to get there. Now I just have to do squatting That's ass it. to grass. That's it, And it keeps all of those areas healthy. It's the most amazing. It's I don't prime. I've been talking to, I just did the pose. You guys saw the overhead squat that I just did. Like mm-hmm. I, bro, yeah. I could not, I've never been able to do that in my life. Mm-hmm. I've never been able to do what that. A difference. And I know people were like, I got people jabbing me up. It wasn't about the weight. I know it's not an impressive weight that I had. It's the mo- Like, I've never been able to sit in chucks, okay? No heel rise, ass to grass with a barbell over my head. That was a huge feat for me. And it's taken a ton of work on my ankle mobility, my hip mobility, and then the latest one, my thoracic mobility. And I can now do that. Now, what's so awesome and what I can feel is I don't have to keep doing all those mm-hmm. movements I was doing. I just got to do that now. If I just get down in a squat, it, it I have to have a healthy. I have to have good thoracic mobility. I have, to have good hip mobility. I have the good ankle mobility in order to perform that. So as long as I keep that in my life, I no longer have to put so much energy and focus on all these, you know, yoga practices That's and why it's such a beautiful and, exercise. Yeah, yes,
0: and from a, now from a functional like athletic perspective, I can't think now. If you want to train an athlete, you know, use all kinds of different exercises and tools. But if I had to pick just one exercise, the squat would be definitely one or two, and it depends on the sport. But if you, took a bunch of at, you take a bunch of 15-year-old athletes for most sports, and if you have to do just one weight training exercise, just have them do squats, you'll watch the performance improve in terms of... That's, you
3: know. a, that's another reason why it becomes one of the most functional movements, is there's very few things that hit the anterior, posterior chain, and everything carryover. everything yeah. from your neck to your ankles... Like every muscle gets worked Whether I mean, sure, you're not getting a ton of work on the chest and you're not getting a ton of work on the biceps or Mm tricep, but they're getting work. Everything strength around the knees. Yes. Every strength
1: around all the joints,
3: everything is getting incorporated. So to Sal's point, it's one of the few exercises that you could say, man, if you only squatted you could actually live a pretty fucking healthy life <laughs> yeah. Yeah. and actually have a decent amount of probably muscle in your body forever just by doing that. Yeah, so tell that guy's an idiot. Yeah, that doesn't get more functional than that. Have him listen
0: to this episode, Jake. Uh, also, look, if you go to mindpumpfree.com, you can download any one of our guides for free. In fact, you can download them all for free. We won't limit you at all. You can get them all. Um, so go check that out. Also, check out our individual Social media pages on Instagram. So, Justin, everyone's favorite host. Yeah. You can find him on Instagram Weaning. at Mind Pump Justin. Uh, Adam, everyone's uh, second favorite host. You can find him at Mind Pump Adam. <laughs> and then, of course, me, who irritates everyone. You can find me at Mind Pump Sal.
2: Thank you for listening to Mind Pump. If your goal is to build and shape your body, dramatically improve your health and energy, and maximize your overall performance, check out our discounted RGB Super Bundle at mindpumpmedia.com.